Now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the phone, live, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm chavin at the bit because I was prepared for 90 minutes this morning, and I understand that... Because you're a white guy and you got something to say! We have 39, so I'm going to want a laundry list, a whole bunch of stuff that I want to talk about. Go ahead, Pop. Are you going to ask me for my shout-out? Yeah, how do you want to shout out? I have three! First, I just want to shout out for C-SPAN that really does a great job in putting stuff on across the board and yesterday played the entire virtual town hall of the Obama organization with the president, my president, and and his folk that uh, just really a good job. I want to shout out for the Houston police chief, Art Azevedo, who said to DDT, if you don't have something construction to say, keep your mouth shut. And I want to shout out for the Black Caucus, which has voted to support Elliot Engel, a white guy, against an African-American opponent in, because over 16 terms, Elliot Engel has voted right down the line for, for causes that the Black Caucus cares about, and it just takes courage for them to do that. And so I'm I don't know that. For all of them, and then I want to acknowledge the passing of Wes Unseld, who was a really neat guy and was a great NBA player, and uh, he's going to be missed. Yeah, Dad, I don't, the Elliot Angle thing—I don't know. It's as—I—I I, I don't know if it's as simple as courage. There's also a power dynamic, and I'm not going to wax expert on the topic, but I do think that there, uh, there are legitimate, there are legitimate reasons to oust Elliot Angle in favor of oh, his, of course. his challenge. There are legitimate reasons, and one of the, one is to reward somebody who's been your friend, and another is he's been there a long time and has a lot of seniority and influence, and it's a, it, but it, it's it just I just think it was a good thing to do. I'll give some additional shouts out. That those include the Black Resilience Fund, the Portland NAACP, Urban League of Portland, Kairos PDX, Black Lives Matter Portland, the Portland Chapter, Generational Resistance PDX, Don't Shoot Portland, uh, there's also a GoFundMe for the PDX uh, protest bail fund. Uh, the uh, last night, uh, yesterday we had on Cameron Witten. Uh, last night, uh, several of us gave to well, I at least gave, uh, a couple of people texted me after, and I also gave uh, to um, to the Black Resilience uh, Black Resilience Fund uh, that Cameron Witten and Salome uh, put together. Salome actually an old bus project um, bus project uh, political fellow. Uh, got a text in. Does X-ray FM have a position on the ballot petition on redistricting? X-ray does not, right? We try to primarily uh, shed light, and individual DJs and hosts can have opinions as an organization. Uh, we try to keep our opinions uh, humble, right? Like, I think the organization has a view that climate change is real, but as an organization, we. Uh, I think that what we most want to do is give people voice. I have thoughts about the petition on redistricting, and I can point you to some sources, and I will do that. But first, Dad said he's champing at the bit, so Pop, take it away, and I'll save my thoughts for a little bit later. Okay, well, first, with the George, the George Floyd, we there are now four indictments. I, I need to comment that on Monday, I said that one of the things that is most needed right now is some, some leadership, some real leadership, from unions, and nowhere could that have been greater demonstrated the fact 
that the union leader in Minneapolis, Lieutenant Bob Kroll, wrote a letter to his troops saying that if they had just been allowed to not have limits, they would have ended the protests, which just goes to show how awful, how awful sometimes police union leadership can be and, and, and where where something is desperately needed is there. Want to comment on the DDT's photo op because I don't think that photo op could, there is anything that would better demonstrate the huge national division between folks who think that DDT can do no wrong and folks who recognize how destructive he is. So, so you have Tom Cotton getting a an op-ed in the New York Times, much to the dismay of a whole lot of journalists, which he says, call out the troops. But on the other hand, you have generals. You have General Mattis. You have General Mullen, who are speaking up and condemning what he is doing. And then you have the division in the churches. You have, what's his name, DeVries, who is saying, oh, this is wonderful what he was doing. And you have the the bishop, or the Episcopal bishop of the D.C., uh, whatever it is, C., saying how awful it was what he did. And, and it just, the divisions that he is creating. And also I have to say, if I had any doubt before yesterday that Tucker Carlson is really, really a bad person, it would have any doubt, you know, that he that maybe he was just deluded, maybe he really is just convinced. What he had to do yesterday, say yesterday, after the Obama town hall, eliminated any of my doubts as to what kind of person he is because. Obama went out of his way, and his folks went out of their way to voice no criticism of DDT. They were talking about positive things that need to be done, and nowhere did they decry anything, not even the opposite. There was no, absolutely no mention of it. And Tucker Carlson comes on and says that Obama was saying how these looters have given us an opportunity for change, which was just an absolute lie, absolutely disgraceful. Talking about, boy, the, the, uh, I think the autopsy was extremely important. The other autopsy, the, it's interesting, it, it looks like the first autopsy, which looked like a fix to me, and, and you had some wise things to say to me the other day, and I hope you'll repeat them this morning. But uh, the, the independent autopsy appears to have altered a little bit, at least, the uh, total of the final judgment of the first autopsy. But that there was no question that it was was a homicide, and the independent op, uh, independent one said that it was because of asphyxiation caused by pressure to the neck and pressure to the back, and that is enabled. Up, upping the indictment from third degree to second degree homicide, and and that is encouraging. The uh, the demonstrations that are going on, I'm realizing 
the demonstrations are going on to the extent they are partly because there are just a whole lot of people who can't go to work right now and they have nothing else to do. And so it makes it a whole lot easier to to march, which is which is generally a very positive thing for the, for the folks, uh, the vast majority who are there demonstrating just as they ought to be, expressing their feelings. The the Burnside Bridge laydown was one of the most dramatic things that that I had seen, where you had hundreds hundreds of folks who lay on their stomachs for nine minutes, which has to be really, really uncomfortable on a street. But it was just very, 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 very powerful. And one of the one of the thoughts that that I picked up that I'd like to enlarge upon a little bit is the militarization of the police. And we we see that militarization and, and of course DDT was making a thing about that by having the Joint Chief, the Chief of the Joint Chiefs, wearing combat fatigues, going with him to stand in front of the church, that police, the purpose of police is to produce safety and to defend the security of Americans. And the purpose of the military is violence. I'm reminded of a lunch I had years ago when when I was involved in an effort to get a dispersal base for military aircraft in Pendleton when I was administrative assistant to the congressman representing Eastern Oregon. And I had lunch with a colonel and we were talking about what was happening in Vietnam, and I was very much opposed to what we were doing in Vietnam, and he said, well, the reason we weren't winning in Vietnam is because we weren't able to just bomb anything we wanted to. But then he said, but, you know, my business is violence. And he acknowledged that the purpose of the Army is violence, and the purpose of cops are not violence. The purpose of cops are to, are to defend and protect. And the the blurring of the line between those, with people like Tom Cotton who go to the New York Times and say, call out the troops, very, very, very seriously danger. Some good things that have coming out of the Clovis, uh, right out of the Floyd thing, the Virginia is going to take down the Robert E. Lee statue, so they're no longer to have the, have the statue in a place of honor to somebody who was a traitor to his country. And Philadelphia, they're taking down the statue of ex-police chief and ex-mayor Rizzo, who was one of the worst, worst racists outside of the South of our age. So those are encouraging things. And do, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Floyd, before we get into COVID? I don't know. I, I don't know. How, I don't know how the best to have a conversation with you, Pop. And I. The dynamic of the conversation, I'm not sure, because you you want to sort of run through your stories, and that feels you know that feels like a useful thing to do, and and I and I, but I I don't know the best way. I'm feeling at this moment I don't know the best way to engage. Well, what what are, what are your what are your thoughts? What what for example, what should happen to the protests now? Because uh, 
as, as I commented, people have nothing else to do. So, so let's march. Now there have been four indictments. They're not going to get. They're not going to get to trial next week. They're not going to get to trial next month. But we we'll know. But we know the they, protests. But we know the protests aren't about a single crime. Of course not. Exactly. So, and that, that's what we need to be talking about. So I, I, I was thinking last night, but again, like I'm not how I'm trying to approach this or maybe I don't know if it's a try or just, you know, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of me. But when I, uh, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm waxing that wise. I am waxing curious, but I was thinking last night about what is, I, well, I'll tell you why I'll tell you what, how it came to my mind and this might make me cry, but, um, Hmm. But I was uh, reading about Tiananmen Square. Today is the anniversary, was that 1989? Yes. Uh, of what is called, uh, was called 6-4 in, uh, in China. And, is, and Internet accounts are cleverly uh, hidden. And news history reporting on the Tiananmen Square massacre are censored in China. They're not censored here. Uh, that protest began on April 15th. Uh, and I started thinking, and, and, the, and the sins of our country against black and indigenous people, like we can't, we go, oh, well, that's China. China's doing all kinds of bad stuff. Like we, we, we deserve a protest that lasts as long as April 15th to June 4th. And but I don't know. So, so what is the best way for it to end? So I'm not like I am not going to lift even a tiny bit of a voice to say, oh, well, you got what you wanted. Oh, they, they, you got the indictments. Now go back inside. Now, I might say go back inside so you don't spread a communicable disease or at least be sure as heck careful. Or if this is going to be a long term thing, if this is going to be like Tiananmen Square, but hopefully without tanks being run on, you know, four months from now, then let's do it in a socially distanced way. Let's come up with some really innovative ways uh, to uh, show resistance, to show solidarity, to show love, to push for transformation that keep the protesters safe and their loved ones in their household safe who aren't protesting, that I think is an interesting conversation. But I would prefer to engage in that conversation with strategists alongside the protesters, with people who are trying to figure out who are, whose primary objective is to bend the arc of history toward justice and that is how, and they're strategizing about that. I do think that's a fascinating question. I think another related question is, if the best strategy doesn't feel like trying to carry this on for four months. And I haven't heard anybody. I'm the only one who said that. And the only reason I said that is because I was reading about Tiananmen Square, right? As I was thinking about uh, large global movements. And that's what this is. This is a, this is a movement with global implications. And if the United States has ever, if the United States has ever been good, we have been good because we have at times in small measure, in little glimmers of example, and maybe led largely by or at least supported by propaganda, been an example of democracy some of the time a few times. We are also an example of incredible sin. And to me, the story of America, if it is going to be a benevolent story, has to be a story of redemption. And that redemption has to be one rooted and grounded in sharing power and following uh, though Martin Luther King and John Rawls' advice, how do we take care of and lift up and give power to the least of us? Uh, that we, that 
And that signal, the signal that the United States sends morally, has global implications. Yes, because we're nuclear power. Also because we're a Hollywood power and an economic power. Because we have alliances that haven't all been torn asunder by the current president, although he's been trying to do a pretty good job. And how we, what we do here matters. It matters for the signals that we send to would-be or currently authoritarian regimes around the world. It, care, it, it sends a signal to other countries who aren't as diverse as we are. We, we have, we, like, we, I don't think we hold a can, I don't think you know, we take a backseat to anybody in our race's history. And we have a more diverse population with a more broadly uh, worshipped set of gods or lack thereof than most other countries. And figuring out how to be a world that lives together, how to be a world that doesn't, uh, that, that isn't born primarily, motivated primarily by prejudices of race and religion, that we have known that that is the, uh, the key question or among, among the, if you, if you add misogyny to it and if you add uh, just oppression generally, whether it's military or economic, Generally, these are the sort of major sets of questions for the world. How we answer those questions really matters. And therefore, how this ends, I do think, matters. Oh, yes, it and really so, does. Uh, it matters a whole lot. And Chairman Square let, let me finish, went, on, went on for 50 days. And, of course, the, the end of it was absolutely tragic. And I just want to, this want to mention right here, I fear very greatly that that's going to be the upshot of in Hong Kong when China starts enforcing the security law that they have just passed. And it just scares the heck out of me. But that there, there have to be... There have to be goals. There have to be things that we can measure. I don't want to say have to. I, I don't want to say have to. I I, I think. Well, they need it, to. It, I don't have. To. I don't think need to. I'm not going to say need. I'm not going to sit from my position of privilege and dictate the uh, the the best architecture of a social movement. I mean, somebody else might be in the position to do that, right? I'm not saying nobody else can do that. I just know I'm not in the position to do that. But the but I do think it's an interesting strategic question for the people who are engaged within that social movement is what is the best path forward? I think it's a fascinating question. Just as, a, as an observer of social justice, an observer of politics, as an observer of history, uh, as, as occasionally, and, and when I say occasionally, for, you know, without a, really a week or two passing over the last just about 20 years, engaging in uh, social justice and political and pro-democracy pursuits, not always perfectly, to be clear. Uh, I am fascinated by it, and I think there's a lot at stake. And I do think there is an interesting strategic conversation to say, hey, should we lay out? Should we lay out a set of, uh, of here's the, as, as, uh, as heck Sarah, Sarah Anarone offered hers, Lou Frederick and the People of Color Caucus came out with theirs. Uh, if there were a set of here's what uh, the primary objective ought to be for the near term, and we're going to keep doing blank until blank happens. I think that is one interesting move, but I want to stop short, personally, I just personally Bob, I want to stop short of, of saying have to or need to uh, because, I don't know, I don't know if that's my place. I, I just want to interpolate here. I really enjoyed listening to the, the interview with Lou this morning that just preceded our program. And and, and uh, a little back padding. 
I think it's fair to say that you and I were fairly important in persuading him to seek the appointment to the legislature that we had, we had something to do with starting starting his political I mean, career. Yeah, the biggest thing he had was, was you know years and so decades. Proud, I am so proud of him. He is my senator, and he is such a wonderful guy. Yeah, the, the biggest you know he had he had decades of public service to back him up. But it is true. It is true that we had uh, that 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 one thing I've recognized because there's a question for people who aren't sociopaths. Right, or at least trying not to be sociopaths. For people who are uh, I, I identify, anybody who says they're not racist, like you know, make sure, make sure. That I, I I applaud you. I applaud you in your confidence. But the but for those of us who are trying not to be, for those of us who see it as an affliction that is worthy of conversation, so that we can do a little bit better jobs of rooting it out of our own hearts, minds, souls, habits, and power structures. For those of us who are trying to engage it in, in, in the conversation in way, some way roughly adjacent to that, the, uh, uh, there is this question we're, racing, we're wrestling with right now. And that question is, how, uh, how can we best show up? How can we best help? And, and, my, and, my, and I'll say a couple things. First of all, and I've been remarkable. I've seen a bunch of people offer that question. I really appreciated the question. Some people said, here's how I want to do it. Maybe they, some other person, oh, that's not exactly right. And so, one of the things I got to acknowledge, and this is me just talking to white people right now, uh, the, uh, that, that when you whack somebody who's trying to do their best and you've, and you've never been in the home of a black family, okay, like, like think about your own social circle. Think about what you can do to make sure that you're not just an armchair performative uh, not and 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 that's and that's okay. I mean, there's a lot of people that I mean, I, you know, I don't know how like I, there's extended family members of ours that I could probably say that to. I bet you, I bet you a bunch of the Utah clan that may be true, uh, true of. And and by the way, if you have been in the household of black family, you can you can still be a racist to be clear. But the but I don't know. I'm trying to come to this from some level of. Uh, I, I, I want to come, just to come from this with some level of humility because anybody who thinks they have this all figured out, any white person thinks you have this all oh, figured absolutely. out, here's a better person I am. One, one of the most poignant examples of the challenge of, of what should be done was when Justin Trudeau was asked to comment on what was happening to the South with the Floyd, with, the, with DDT's photo up, all the rest. And he was quiet for 21 seconds. Now, let me tell you, 21 seconds in some contexts is not a great deal of time, but 21 seconds in a news conference when somebody is waiting, thinking about what is he going to say, that is an immense amount of time, and, and it does. But there is one thing that I am prepared to say is absolutely important, and this is the thing that the president, I don't mean Trump, I mean President Obama, said and has said and re-said yesterday, is the one thing that is absolutely necessary, is to get out and vote. And so one thing that for sure needs to be happening is people need to be looking for who are the candidates for city council, who are the ca candidates for county commission, who are the candidates for state attorney general, and who are the candidates for Congress. But in lots of ways, the local is even more important than this. 
and get out the vote for those who are going to be willing to have the courage to be hum to humbly ask what has to be done, figure out what has to have to be done, to listen and to and to act. I'll have one thing. And, that, and, and, and I'd, I'd like to spend maybe a little, a little bit of time talking about the elections around the country that all happened yesterday. Was Go ahead. It, what were you about to say? The, uh, I'll, offer, I'll offer one hunch. I'm going to call it a hunch. I, I'll even say it's a feeling. I'll even say it's an opinion. I'll even say it's a strongly held opinion. I'm just not going to say I'm sure. I'm pretty, actually pretty sure of this one. That it's not going to be small stuff. That that it is cool to do small stuff. That uh, you know, as as Thoreau said, we're not here to do everything. We're here to do something, right? We don't, you know, we can't do all the stuff, but we can do something. And we'll be measured in part by our motives. Motives will be insufficient. But my guess is, if what we're looking for, if your urges, if your emotional urges, oh, if, and I know, I know, people had this urge. I know. I bet you. I bet you. Well, you know, good meaning. Obama voting listeners to this program had the following urge. Oh boy, I hope I hope that they will indict these guys so that things can go back to normal. I hope that they will indict these guys so that they're. Let me finish, Pop. Let me finish, Pop. Okay. I hope that these they indict these these four police officers so that so that nobody goes and steals a handbag. At Louis Vuitton. I, I sure hope they do it. Because then things go back to normal. If you think that's what the problem is, you are part of the problem. If you think the problem is a handbag getting stolen, and if you think the solution is four police officers getting indicted, and that's the only solution, the, the entirety of your social request, you are asking too little of your country, and you are requiring too little of yourself. So I at least am I'm pretty sure I'm open to persuasion, but I'm pretty sure of that one. Got a couple of notes in. One thing we can be doing is talking with our dads and uncles about race. Maybe our moms and wives and partners, friends. That's one thing we can probably do. And and people might be interested, mildly, mildly interested in how we're trying to wrestle with it as an organization. And we don't have it figured out either. And that's, again, I'll give the text line. Anybody has some wisdom, feel free to offer the wisdom. 971-220-5979. Question, you can ask, you can ask question too. 971-220-5979. There is that telephone number that I don't have memorized or up on my wall so I can cheat it. Here it is, 971-319-5979. 971-319-5979. If you got something to say that you want the world to hear, if there's something you think that's healing or provocative or challenging or morally important uh, or something that would spark joy, 971-319-5979. We would love to hear from you. One of the things we can offer, one of the things that we can do is try to harness the power of the human voice. And But we've been having these internal conversations. What's the best way we can show up? And it's been a beautiful thing, by the way. We've had a couple of Zoom calls with DJs. We live in Portland, Oregon, a lot of white people. Not all white people, thankfully. One of the best ways to show up during times of crisis and racial justice is not start tomorrow, but start like some number of years ago. Doesn't mean we did enough some number of years ago, but it's, you know, and, and if you have, didn't start some number of years ago, today is a decent day to start. Do something. Do something out of your comfort zone to help bend the arc history toward justice. Today's a pretty good day to start. When we, but we've been having these meetings, and, and I have just been so heartened by and inspired by the efforts made by the folks in the x-ray community 
to try to share space and to try to sort of get it right, right? Because there's sort of this mood. It's like, okay, well, I, I would like to give up my show to one of our black DJs or so, a black voice in the community. And then one critique that is, okay, don't put all this. Don't put all this on somebody who already has a lot being put on them. Okay, so then it's a part. It can be how I think. I think. I think it's partly how we have the conversation, right? And how you can have the conversation. Hey, there's this space. You want it? It's yours. No, no requirement, no expectation. If, but if you want it, you got you got first crack. If you have something that you want to say, if this is something that would fill your soul, if this is something that you think would make the community stronger. Here is this opportunity for you. So, for instance, and and I'll, and how does that end up playing out? I'll give you. So, for example. We have an early morning show. Do we say, hey, if you want to be on the air, you got to come in early. I'll give an example. Uh, Ty Carpenter, it's Teresa Rayford's daughter. She's on. She's uh, a, a board member of activists with Don't Shoot PDX. It's somebody we've been talking about on this tragic conversation since X-Ray was born. Something that Lou Frederick has been talking about since before this radio station was born. And uh, and I said, well, it's kind of early. <laughs> So we try to put the burden on the guest and say, hey, yeah, well, we're on we're on between seven and nine. If, if you got if, if it's important enough to you, come on seven and nine. Otherwise, don't. Or do we say, hey, you want to do seven to nine? Don't. That doesn't work for you. Let us find a time that might. If you want to do it at all, if you don't want to do it all. That's fine. There's I, there are probably some people who want to have their voice heard. We will do some extra work to try to find them. And there is almost certainly a necessity for white people talking to white people to try to tell us all to do a little bit better. So we will be, we will be talking to Ty Carpenter and you can look forward to that interview. All this stuff, by the way, we'll be sharing at xraypod.com. If you've got somebody, if you're somebody who wants your voice to be heard, let us know. If you've got somebody who re- you really want to hear from, we can't make them talk, but we can sure open space. It's 971-220-5979. 971-220-5979. D- Dad, the, uh, uh, oh, I got a text. Uh, don't refer to black men as boys. I appreciate that text very much. I don't believe I did. Uh, if Pop did, I'm sure Pop apologizes. Oh, but, Dad, I'm we sure got the text. I did not. That's something I am extremely sensitive to. All right. So we we appreciate that text. If 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 we got it wrong somehow, we are horrified. But I, I, I we can go back, listen to the tape, and see how we did it. Go ahead, Pop. Well, uh, can I give a quick potpourri on the COVID, which I think is still legitimate news? No, and one of the tragedies of this whole deal, right? One of the tragedies of this whole deal is we know, we know that already COVID nineteen was impacting Black and Brown communities more than other communities. We right. know that, and it's and and I and I think that that now is going to be a little bit worse. But yeah, Dad, go ahead. Well, the governor, as Oregon governor, has came yesterday announced the beginning of the second phase, and most of the counties of the state were applying quickly for the second phase. Multnomah is now applying for the first. Uh, a sad report for people who are my age. If you are over 70 and you get to have to go on a ventilator, your chance of survival is about 30%. Then 70% chance you're going to die. In Florida, the governor almost certainly has been trying to skew the figures, and he fired Rebecca Jones, who was responsible for the model, which was supposed to tell the truth because she wouldn't change the figures. Wonder what the Florida voters will eventually get around to doing to that guy. Two things on the hydroxychloroquine. First, there has been a controlled study now, a good controlled study, which concludes doesn't help, but it probably doesn't really hurt. And then the stuff about that hurting apparently has come from an outfit called Surgisphere, 
a Dr. Desai, a Sapin Desai, that that is a scam. <laughs> just a little of it, just a scam, which is kind of disappointing that uh, some impressive folks got scammed. Sweden has acknowledged that, that what they did hasn't worked out so well. And to just give you an idea, deaths per million population for for Europe, Sweden 438. Next worst, Holland 347. Next worst. Germany 103, which is that less than 25% of what Sweden has had, and because Sweden, of course, was bragging that they thought they could pull it off without distancing, etc., didn't happen. Didn't happen. And a Columbia University study says that the delay that the United States had, the delay that goes directly to the White House, cost between 36 and 40, 54 thousand American lives. If we had just acted quicker, we could have saved between 36 and 54,000, which seems like a lot. I'm cognizant of uh, one of the one of the um, one things I'm cognizant of is wanting this to be your show. When I say that, Pop, I know that you think I meant you. I hope you met I hope you met the listeners. <laughs> and the and I, I love you Dad. The uh and there we have been getting we have been getting some some notes which we appreciate and I do want to respond to them. So one I teased and I didn't pay off, which was somebody asked about the re- current redistricting proposal. Uh there is lead women voters and others have a have a proposal to change redistricting to be done by a panel of retired judges. I want to talk about this uh, strategically. I want to talk about it in terms of democracy, and I want to talk about it morally. Uh, strategically, I have had a concern from the very beginning, and this is my view. This is not a view. The, the question was, what is X-ray's view? I do not speak for X-ray at this moment. When I'm on the air here, I do not speak for X-ray. I, when, we, when we've got to make decisions out in the world and do things that, that yeah, I, you know, I might screw some of that up, and that's you know, the organization is, is doing things. But when I'm here, I speak for myself, to be clear. That's right, and I speak for myself, and that's important. The, and what we were commenting when they asked, has X-ray taken a position? X-ray has to be pretty careful about taking positions well, let me, let me, going to going to election because we do have a tax. A yeah, tax but, ta- but but even but in beyond that, but my but my, my I'm going to answer the question. I'm not only going to give a cop out. The uh, but here are my and here are my thoughts. We got just a couple minutes. We're going to be talking to a candidate for city council, who's one of the two candidates left in that district, uh, in that seat rather. The uh, one strategically, I've been a little bit concerned from the beginning that the, and I'm speaking only for myself, but I've been a little bit confer- concerned from the beginning, when, as soon as Eric Holder started working on redistricting, as soon as Obama said, ah, redistricting is important, we've got to do redistricting reform because we've got this gerrymandering, this gerrymandering happening all over the country. And we've talked a bunch of it, about a bunch of it with the highest, with the highest ranking people on this subject, right, or not highest ranking, the, the people who have, I mean, the woman who ran the campaign in Michigan successfully, inspiring story, and and so I've been I've gotten really deep on this stuff. And if you want to go deep, you can go on xraypod.com and check out Democracy Nerd. We've done uh, a number of interviews on it. The uh, and my concern, my fear has been, if if as soon as Eric Holder started doing it, I knew the people who would listen to him were a bunch of fluffy-hearted blue state activists. I knew that Fox News viewers would listen to him less. And 
I also then knew if all of the blue states start doing redistricting, then the red states and the red states don't exactly. Then all of then all of the motivation for doing the redistricting reform has gone the opposite way, and by that I mean you will have a less representative Congress. So that's my strategic concern. My and and, and I say that one first because there is a chance that that impacts my moral concern. Uh, and my sort of my other my other concerns about and my political judgments generally, okay? Because I sort of see that, and that could impact my other views, the other elements of my views. On this particular proposal, I have a concern that it's retired judges, because I know what retired judges in Oregon are like. Now, it's better if you look at judges over the last ten years, uh, made judges in Portland and in Oregon. We know that that is a set of the judiciary that looks a little bit more like American, a little more like Oregon. And but if hope, you look at retired judges, it's mostly it's old white, dudes. white dudes. And and having redistricting done by a panel of old white dudes makes me a little nervous. I'll say. But then I want to get back to overall how we do districting. I absolutely believe that a na- that a nationwide. I would start it in purple states. That's where I would do it. I would start it in states. Uh, or, or you might be able to reach some interstate compact, right, where a red state does it, blue state does it. it needs to be done nationally. So you don't have the situation where people of goodwill who tend to be tend to be blue yeah. do it, and people who don't have such goodwill but who are power conscious tend to be yeah, red don't. Got another question. We got Dan Ryan on the line. We got to go to him just a second, Dad. We'll have to... Uh, uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to go to Dan Ryan in just a second. We're privileged to be able to do it. But we got another question I want to answer. Minneapolis Police Force has 92 percent of their officers living outside the city. What is the percentage uh, in Portland of officers who served in the city of Portland but live outside the city of Portland? I know expense is one of the reasons, but it seems as though requ- that requirement should be that you live a requirement should be that you live in the city you serve. Actually, why don't we talk to Dan Ryan about that? His view is more important than mine. Yes, Dad. Anything anything you want to say before we bring on Dan Ryan? Lots I'd like to say, but we need to bring on Dan Wyer and Ryan. And since I have three straws, we probably should go to straws. All right, Pop, let's do it. First straw, frightening, scary. No risk, Siberia. 20,000 tons of diesel was broke out of a tank and went into the river, <coughs> causing a great pollution problem, probably because permafrost melting caused the tank to burst. Interesting, I don't know if it's good or bad, but interesting, the University of California has decided to no longer use SAT and ACT tests for who go, who gets to go to the university, which is an interesting thing. And then last, a very encouraging straw in the wind, Pat Robertson. Yes, that Pat Robertson, the 700 Club Pat Robertson, said, first he said, we need to bring justice to those cops. And then he said, and the president should speak up. And Pat Robertson was critical of the photo op. That's got to be just a huge, hopefully, straw in the wind. Well, Bob, we did it one more time. We shorted it one more time because we got much more to talk about. Love you a lot. We'll be back on Monday. Love you, and I do want to say this just before you go. I, I want to say how grateful I am. I, like I, I recognize, 
Like, I, I, I feel relatively safe when I stick to gratitude. And something I'm grateful for is not that only the chance to be here at X-Ray, but, Dad, the chance to be your son. The, uh, uh, mm, uh, mm. Because I realize, mm, sorry, mm, it's an emotional time for a lot of people. I apologize. I'll try to be stronger. The, uh, uh, I realize that I have had the privilege of being able to challenge my dad around his uh, around ideas and that has been something that's been rewarded in my family rather than punished and it doesn't mean I'm always right and he's right more often than I am but uh, but I, I know that I'm very grateful for that and I love you Bob I love you too <laughs>